AFF on Air, the Australian Frequent Flyer podcast is boarding. Step on board for the latest news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. Your captain, Matt Graham, now invites you to sit back, relax and enjoy the episode. G'day, welcome to episode 90 of AFF On Air. It's the 6th of August 2022. Well, it's coming up to that time of year again when many frequent flyer points collectors are starting to think about redeeming their points to fly to Europe for next year's northern summer season, so that's June, July, August 2023. Redemption seats are starting to be released now, and the traditional advice has always been to get in early because it's a popular time to travel and the best seats sell out quickly. But if you're trying to redeem Qantas points right now to fly to Europe, it's a lot harder than it was before COVID. So what options do you have to get to Europe on points? And is Qantas Frequent Flyer the best program to be using? Coming up in this episode, I'll speak to James Green from Frequent Flyer Solutions about the best strategies for getting to Europe using your points. But first, let's begin with a roundup of the latest Australian airline travel and loyalty program news from the past fortnight. And firstly, if you have any sort of status with Qantas Frequent Flyer, be it silver, gold, platinum or platinum one, or you have Points Club Plus membership, you're now eligible for a free status upgrade to gold with the Accor Live Limitless program or all for short. To claim the free Accor All status upgrade, eligible Qantas members simply need to register on the Qantas website by the 12th of August. Um, this can be done either by claim- clicking on the link in the email that you've received from Qantas, if you received one, or by registering on the Qantas website on the promo page. After claiming your upgrade, a call will process this by the 9th of September. It's not entirely clear yet how long the Accor Old Gold status will remain valid for, as there's no mention of this in the offer terms and conditions, but we would assume that it would remain valid until at least the end of 2023 under the normal program rules. You would normally need to stay at least 30 nights per year in Accor hotels to earn gold status. When staying at Accor's hotel brands, including Ibis, Mercure, Novotel, Sofitel, Pullman, Mantra and the Siebel, All gold members receive benefits including priority check-in, early check-in or late check-out, a welcome drink, guaranteed room availability, a complimentary upgrade if available, and bonus points. Japan's international border may still be closed to independent tourists, but that hasn't stopped Jetstar from restarting its direct flights between Australia and Japan for the first time since the pandemic began. Jetstar is now back to flying its three Japanese routes from Cairns to Tokyo, Cairns to Osaka and Gold Coast to Tokyo using its Boeing 787 Dreamliners. Most of these flights are currently being filled by Japanese tourists who can now freely travel to Australia for holidays and then return to their own country, but Australians can't yet do the same in reverse. Jetstar has decided to proceed, though, with resuming its flights to Japan purely on the basis of strong inbound demand from Japan. It's not often that you'll find business class award availability on Air New Zealand, which you can book through a partner airline, but there is now a surprisingly good amount of seats available on flights between Melbourne, Sydney, Brisbane and Auckland with Air New Zealand. There are also a few business award seats here and there, usually not more than one per flight though, on other Air New Zealand international routes, including Perth to Auckland, Auckland to Tokyo and Auckland to Taipei. These seats are available to book using most Star Alliance frequent flyer programs. So for example, you could redeem Singapore Airlines Chris Fly Miles, Air Canada Aeroplan points or Avianca Life Miles. And don't forget that you can also now transfer your Velocity points over to Chris Flyer if you'd like to redeem that way. 
Unfortunately for Qantas frequent flyer members, though, things are not looking so good on the award availability front. Qatar Airways flights have long been a popular use of Qantas uh, points, not only because of Qatar's excellent Q-Suites business class product, but also because Qatar often had availability to destinations that other Qantas partners did not. But earlier this week, all Qatar Airways award seats suddenly disappeared from the Qantas website. After around two days, some seats started to reappear for travel dates up until the end of November this year. And then a little while later, economy award seats, but only economy seats, came back for travel dates up to the middle of April next year. But at the time of recording this podcast, it's still not possible to redeem Qantas points for Qatar Airways flights beyond next April, even though seats are available to book through all other One World Frequent Flyer programs. So it's not a, an issue with Qatar Airways per se, it's actually a Qantas issue. Although it's not really clear whether Qatar is blocking the seats being released to Qantas or the Qantas website has a bug. Hopefully this is just a temporary glitch and the seats will come back soon because, as I'll talk about with James shortly, there aren't too many other Qantas partner airlines that do offer business class award seats from Australia to Europe, the Middle East or Africa and actually have award availability at the moment. Jetstar and Jetstar Asia flights from Singapore could soon be departing from Terminal 4 at Changi Airport. This would make it a lot harder, unfortunately, to connect to or from flights on most of Jetstar's partner airlines, including Qantas, and it would also make it substantially more difficult for eligible Jetstar passengers to access the Qantas lounges in Singapore before their flights. The change was announced a few weeks ago by Changi Airport, but the Jetstar group is not happy about the change. Jetstar says it was an, that this was announced before any agreement was reached with the airport and that for now the airline is not moving. Terminal, Terminal 4 is the newest of the terminals at Singapore's Changi Airport. It has been closed during the pandemic while demand was low, but it will reopen next month with airlines who are operating from Terminal 4 progressively moving back there from next month. If Jetstar is forced to move to Terminal 4, it wouldn't necessarily be a big problem for Jetstar customers beginning or ending their journey in Singapore, and it also wouldn't be a problem for passengers connecting between Jetstar flights. But transferring between Terminal 4 and Terminal 1, where Qantas' operations and lounges are based, is a lengthy process. In more Jetstar news, the airline's first Airbus A321 long-range aircraft has touched down in Australia. The plane features overhead lockers, which are larger than the other aircraft on Jetstar's fleet, but with 232 seats on board in an all-economy configuration, there's going to be a lot of people on that plane in a quite tightly packed configuration. The aircraft will enter service for Jetstar next week, initially operating on the Melbourne to Cairns route. American Express Platinum Card holders can now access up to $400 worth of dining credits to use each calendar year as a new benefit. The Global Dining Credit benefit comprises of two separate credits, each worth $200, one to use at participating restaurants in Australia and another to use overseas. Qantas is considering offering a subscription service where Qantas frequent flyer members would be able to pay a fee to boost the number of points they're earning. In a survey sent to members last week, Qantas proposed a range of models for a potential new subscription service. One proposal would see members able to pay a monthly fee to earn up to 50% more Qantas points um, up to an annual limit, either on flights or on all points earned through the Qantas Frequent Flyer program. And there could also be additional benefits for subscribers. Qantas doesn't say what those are, but a few things that come to mind would be things like maybe priority boarding or upfront seating on flights. The other proposal is that members would be able to boost the points they've earned during the previous 12 months 
either from flights or from across other areas of the Qantas Frequent Flyer program, for a special price. Members would be able to earn up to three times the number of points they already earned on chosen transaction types, up to a limit of 150,000 extra Qantas points per year. Bankwest has removed international transaction fees and overseas ATM withdrawal fees when using the Platinum Debit MasterCard that comes with its Qantas transaction account. When withdrawing money from an overseas ATM, you may still be charged a fee by the ATM operator, but not by Bankwest, and this does depend on the ATM used. In most countries, there are ATMs that don't charge fees. As part of the changes to this product, however, Bankwest has removed the extended warranty and purchase security insurances. The Bankwest Qantas transaction account has no fees if you deposit at least $2,000 a month. You can also earn Qantas points on the account balance and on transactions or when withdrawing cash from an overseas ATM. And plus, until tomorrow, Bankwest is giving 5,000 Qantas points to new customers as a bonus who open an account. And that promotion had already been announced before the recent changes. American Express Membership Rewards members can get a 50% bonus when transferring points to Marriott Bonvoy until the 30th of September. This will effectively make it a one-to-one transfer rate from Amex Membership Rewards to Marriott Bonvoy for the next two months. Now, this is an interesting proposition because Marriott Bonvoy points can be transferred onwards then to dozens of airline programs. This uh, generally happens at a three-to-one transfer rate, depending on the airline you're transferring to, though. And you'll get a 25% bonus for every 60,000 Marriott Bonvoy points that you transfer to an airline. So, for example, if you transfer 60,000 Marriott Bonvoy points to, say, Delta SkyMiles, you'll get 25,000 SkyMiles. So, at the 3 to 1 rate, that's 20,000 SkyMiles regularly. And then the 25% bonus, that's 5,000 bonus points, so 25,000 SkyMiles. Using this method, you could effectively use your American Express points to book award flights across the SkyTeam Alliance, which is something that isn't normally possible. So, for example, by transferring your Amex points to Marriott and then on to the SkyMiles program, like in the example I just gave. And SkyTeam Airlines, like Vietnam Airlines, for example, often have good award availability in business class on their flights to and from Australia, since they're so hard to book using other methods for, uh, for most Australians. So this could give you more options if you're having trouble finding an award flight using your Qantas points, for example. And if you're relying on credit card travel insurance when traveling overseas, you might want to check whether your bank's insurer actually covers COVID-19. At this point, the insurance is offered with Premium American Express, ANZ, NAB, Westpac and St George credit cards in Australia do generally come with some level of coverage for COVID-related risks. But the insurances offered by Combank, Bankwest, Qantas Money and Citibank do not. That's what's making news on australianfrequentflyer.com.au this fortnight. You can stay up to date between podcasts by subscribing to the Australian Frequent Flyer Gazette to get the latest Frequent Flyer news straight to your inbox for free every Monday and Thursday morning. Well, if you have Frequent Flyer points and you want to travel to Europe next summer, so the European summer, that's June, July next year, it's coming up to that time when award seats start to be released by the airlines. But can you actually get a family to Europe next June or July using Qantas Frequent Flyer points? That's something that, of course, a lot of people have been saving up their points to do. But can it actually be done and how can you do it? And to talk about this, I'm joined now by James Green from Award Flight Assist, which is a service of Frequent Flyer Solutions that helps people to redeem their Frequent Flyer points. Welcome, James. 
Yeah, good day, Matt. Thank you for inviting me. Now, James, obviously a lot of people have been saving up their Qantas points to fly to Europe. If you're thinking about booking now for travel next summer, can it be done in economy and can it be done in the premium cabins? Well, it's quite difficult, Matt. If you're talking about a family, uh, three or four seats, uh, certainly in business, I'd say it's uh, almost impossible. Looking at the availability, it's probably the worst I've ever seen and I've been playing the points game since 2010 and I've never seen availability so bad. Obviously, it's always a little bit easier in economy or premium economy, so yes, you probably would be able to get a family of four to Europe, but for business class, I think you're looking at one or two seats only, unless you're prepared to split your family into two groups and fly on different flights. Yeah, I understand that award flight assist has uh, introduced because of like it is very difficult at the moment to get award availability to to Europe in business class using Qantas points. So award flight assist has a policy now for travel next summer between June and September 2023 that um, they're not going to accept any requests for two, more than two passengers in business or first class on the same flights. So um, basically, that means and and that's not because um, I guess because award flight assist wants to do that. It's just that it's not possible. Um, in most cases. Yeah, that's correct, Matt. It's, um, as I said, it's uh, very, very limited availability. I guess there's a lot of pent-up demand following the pandemic and the airlines are still rebuilding their schedules. So it's just a very, very difficult challenge. Yeah, so I guess if you do want to travel next uh, next summer to Europe um, and you've got more than two people in your, in your traveling party, you can travel in economy or you can split up or, of course, you could pay for a ticket and um, save up your points for to travel another time when it's a bit easier. But if you do have two passengers, one or two passengers, and you're looking for business class seats to Europe, uh, what are some options that do exist at this point? Well, first of all, Matt, uh, it's important to be flexible with dates and routes, airlines and so on. Also avoid the school holiday period, end of June, first couple of weeks of July, because there's basically a blackout on just about everything there but if you can travel outside of those times there are a few possibilities where you might start to look and one of the ones that often has um, some availability is Japan Airlines to Tokyo and then um, Finnair from Tokyo to Helsinki and onward to wherever you want to go in Europe be it London or Paris or somewhere else. Yeah, and if you're using Finnair, um, they fly the you know the A330s or the A350s on their long-haul flights. Within Europe, if you're booking business class, it's usually an A320 or 321 with just the Euro business seats, which is basically just an economy seat with a blocked middle and a meal on board. But the, I believe Finnair does fly the A350s and the A330s on a few of the intra-Europe routes, so it might be worth having a look to London, Amsterdam or Brussels if, if that's of interest. Um, rather than to other destinations where you're just going to get the 321 if you're booking business class. But, um, what other options are there, James? Well, another one that is often available is um, Malaysia Airlines to Kuala Lumpur. Uh, from there, you can hopefully connect through to Europe via um, Doha with Qatar Airlines or possibly with Emirates via Dubai. But I would try to look at some of the less popular cities Rather than looking at London, you might look at Edinburgh or Manchester, something like that. Amsterdam is another one. Brussels? Brussels is a particularly good one. You know, most of the requests we get for Europe uh, are for London. So obviously the more demand, the less opportunity for other people to grab a seat. The other option is um, British Airways occasionally have some seats 
from Sydney to Singapore. They tend to sell out very quickly though, so uh, if you're looking at that, the school holidays are obviously there's nothing there, but a few those couple of weeks after the school holidays in July next year, you know, late July, there are some seats there on British Airways and mostly only one seat, but occasionally you might be lucky you'd be able to pick up two. Yeah, I did see that one flight at the release day. British Airways, I believe, releases seats around 356 days out, something like that. I don't have the exact number in front of me, but it's something like that. And I did see two business class seats and two premium economy seats from Sydney to Singapore um, with onward connections to London. Um, so it is available, but you'd have to get in pretty quick for that one. Now, if you've got Qantas points, of course, a lot of people just assume that you can use those to fly Qantas to London or um, on Qantas also has a flight now from Perth to Rome. Is there actually any business class availability on those flights? Well, I actually haven't ever, ever managed to find one, Matt. Occasionally you might be there. I have heard rumours that people have been able to grab them. Uh, but uh, you need to be very quick. You need to be able to book it the moment that it opens up. And uh, that's not going to happen, particularly if you don't have status with Qantas, because as, as you know, Qantas releases business class seats to members with status uh, earlier than it does for the people who are bronze or silver. Yeah, so do you want to just explain how that works for Qantas premium long haul reward seats? Certainly. This is only on Qantas operated flights, so on Qantas aeroplanes, not on their partner aeroplanes, but... If you're a Platinum member or a Platinum One or Gold, you get access to the award seats at 353 days before departure. If you're Silver, sometimes that's at 323 days, although that seems to be a little bit less consistent. And Bronze members only get the access to those seats at 297 days. Right, if there's any still left. That's, that's the point I was going to come to, especially on, on a popular route. Um, if you don't have platinum or gold status, your chances are basically zero. Some routes, some of the less popular routes you might, but you're going to be looking at going on a partner airline. Yeah, so if you if you do, though, have Qantas Gold or Platinum or even Platinum One status, is Qantas actually releasing business class reward seats on their flights to London and Rome at the 353-day mark? No, um, not that I've seen. Um, I, as I said, I have heard rumours that somebody has managed to pick up a seat, but I've never seen it myself. And if, if you're talking Perth to Rome, they did have a points plane there, I believe, as the very first one, and I haven't seen a, a single seat in, in uh, business since. It was a great marketing tool for Qantas to be able to say, look, you know, you're able to use your points to fly to Rome in business class. But I think for the average person, if you didn't book during the points plane promotion, there's, I haven't seen any seats since then. No, I haven't either. Not in business. No, and I've, I haven't seen them either. And I'm, I'm talking about not just at the moment, but over a long, long period, those Qantas operated flights, very, very difficult to get to Europe. Um, I did manage to pick up some to um, South Africa or Asia on occasions, but to Europe, virtually no hope, even even as a platinum member. Yeah. What about in economy class? Uh, it's a little bit more available in economy class, but again, there's still very, very limited availability. And During the school holidays? Oh, I was just going to say, at this particular time, it's um, very difficult, you know, for Europe next year, even in economy. There's, um, and they go quickly. Yeah, there are still some more options though. Like I think if you wanted to fly your family over, there would be would be a few more options in economy or maybe premium for some of the legs um, rather than going business or first. Yes, definitely. Um, but I think you would 
be much better advised to be looking at uh, going via Japan or Kuala Lumpur or um, one of the one of the other options because and potentially got, splitting up into two groups. Uh, if you're looking at business class and there's four of you, yes, yes, you'd be looking at splitting it into two. But might, there are occasionally some options for four, but they're very limited. Yeah, if you're a Platinum or a Platinum One member, can you request that Qantas releases extra business class seats? And do you know if um, people are having much success with this at the moment? Yes, you certainly can. As a Platinum member, you can ring up and say, I, I want seats released. And you can sometimes be quite lucky and, and get them. I've heard of people getting having two seats booked on online and then ringing up and being able to get another two released. It's quite rare, but it does happen on occasions. Myself, Back before the pandemic, I managed to get two seats released from Manila to Sydney during school holidays, which I thought was nearly impossible, but I asked and they came through. So it it does happen at times, but you need to be lucky and I wouldn't be counting on it. Yeah, and of course you have to deal with the Qantas call centre to do that. Well, if you're platinum and you're lucky and you ring at the right time, you might get through to the Hobart call centre, which is pretty good at doing this. In fact, they're excellent um, for the rest of us. It's not going to be a, a particularly easy job to, to get that to happen. Yeah. So as we've established, Qantas business class availability at the moment um, for travel or any time actually in the next year, but especially during the school holidays and summer is is quite bad. But there are, you know, Qantas doesn't just fly to Perth, uh, to, to Rome and London. They also have flights to um, destinations around Asia, for example, and they fly to South Africa, which are, you know, also possible intermediate points on the way to Europe. And then, of course, you can connect onwards to a one-world partner airline um, or, or even a non-one-world partner like Air France or KLM, for example. Um, but So what Qantas routes should people actually be looking at if, they, if they're looking for, you know, two or even more than two business class seats at the moment? Well, the best... Um options would be Jakarta or India. I've seen quite a bit of availability going to Jakarta. In fact, on uh, some days, as, as, as many as four seats to Jakarta. In business class? In business class. As classic reward seats? As classic reward, reward seats, yeah, that's right. And, but mainly in June next year, not July. Once July comes along, the school holidays, um, that dries up. And then, of course, you've got to get seats from Jakarta through to London or Amsterdam or wherever you're going, that's getting four seats there then becomes the problem. So again, you might have to split up on some of those legs. Yeah, I've seen, for example, you know, four business class seats on Qantas to Jakarta and then there's connecting flights onwards with Qatar Airways, for example, to Doha and then onto Europe, but only with two seats available on those Qatar flights. Yeah, that's correct. And in fact, the last time I was looking, if um, looking at later on in July... The onward flights on Qatar were only in um, economy on most days. All right. So. so, but again, if you're booking early, that's that is one of the better possibilities. The other one is via India. The unfortunate thing with India is that the connections aren't particularly good. But there are plenty of seats. I shouldn't say plenty of seats, Matt, because they don't actually fly every day. But Melbourne to Delhi or Sydney to Bengaluru does have quite reasonable availability. And the as I say the. The issue there is that the, the plane arrives in um, Delhi or, or um, Bengaluru um, mid-afternoon or late afternoon and the flight's out uh, not until the next day, either very early in the morning or mid-morning. So you're looking at either hanging around the airport for seven, eight hours or more or having a stopover. But if you're up for a stopover in India, then it could work quite well. You do have to get a, 
uh, visa to enter India. So right, if you leave the airport and actually make it a stopover, that's, yeah. If you're making a stopover, you'll need to get a, a visa, pay in advance before you get there, put in the you know the full application. But I've done that, and it wasn't a great issue. A bit of paperwork, a bit annoying perhaps, but it worked fine. In Delhi, there is a transit hotel at the airport. And that's airside, so you don't have to go through immigration and security to get there, right? That's correct. Uh, it is a little expensive, but it's um, not too bad. It's reasonable. And if you're looking for a way to, to Europe when it's very busy, that might be one of your few options. The other one being um, Bangalore doesn't have a transit hotel airside at the airport, so you would have to actually enter. But again, if you're up for a stop over of a, overnight or a couple of days then that's a, an area, a, a route that you would actually have a pretty reasonable chance of picking up flights to Europe yeah, in, business, or in business the whole way. Absolutely, and even for up to four passengers in some cases, if you're lucky with the dates. I'd be quite happy with a stopover in India. And just to give you some ideas of the kind of connections that you'd be looking at, like the Sydney to Bengaluru flight arrives, is it, I think, 4.30 in the afternoon or 6 p.m., I think, something like that in Bengaluru. And then the flights out would be at, you know, either you know 1 a.m., 3 a.m. or maybe 6 a.m. the next day. Um, and in, in Delhi, you'd have options, you know, that's similar sort of time. You'd arrive in Delhi around, I think, 6 p.m. or 4.30, depending on um, what time of year it is. And then be flying out at 1 a.m. the next day or... Um, potentially, if you, if you use Finnair, you'd be looking at around 8.30 the next morning. Um, so if you if you don't mind staying in the transit hotel, that's an option. But yeah, also, you know, why not break up the trip with a few days stopover in India? I think that would actually be quite an interesting way to get to Europe and, and quite a good cultural experience if you've never been before. Yeah, that's right. In fact, I went to India a couple of years ago before the pandemic and I had a great time. I, I enjoyed it. The food's um, great. Cultural experiences, as you say, it was, a, it was really, really worthwhile. And... I'd be up for it any time. The other thing you mentioned, uh, Matt, was um, up to four seats. I had a look there a little while ago, and out of, um, oh, sorry, Sydney to Bangalore has four seats available on Wednesdays okay. in May and June on every single uh, Wednesday. So if you've got a family of four, that might be the one to grab. Mm. And if, if you're going to stay a few days in Delhi, like you can stay, for example, there's the Aero City, which is um, just next to the airport. You can take the train over there. It's one stop from the airport terminal. And the, the, hotel there's, the hotels there are really quite nice. Um, and, you, you know, if, if you're staying, spending even just one night there, it's, um, it's convenient to the airport. It's good quality accommodation. And you can also take the train out into the city um, during the day if you're staying for a few days or... Um, you know, there's options to also go do some sightseeing. So that would be my, my recommendation if for Delhi. Yeah, it's quite an interesting city um, in its own way. Of course, India is not for everybody. But if you're adventurous enough, it's certainly one to consider because the availability is probably about the best of all the options. Yeah. And of course, the, the problem in a lot of cases, if you want to use your Qantas points to fly business class, is just getting out of Australia or back into Australia. And so could it also be an option, you know, for example, to buy a ticket to Asia, maybe a Scoot Plus ticket or, um, I don't know, Jetstar business class, for example, or maybe even AirAsia in the premium flatbed if you don't want to go economy, but just find a cheap, cheap enough way to get to Asia and then uh, redeem points from Asia to Europe. Yeah, that's always a good option, Matt. The flights on Scoot Plus, which is their premium economy. They used to call it business, but they've been being a bit more honest these days and calling it. Yeah, it's, uh, it's not premium. really business class. No, it's a it's more a premium economy class, and uh, probably not not up to the standard premium economy on on the other airlines. But it's reasonably um, well, it's very well priced. 
daytime flight on, on many occasions up, up to Singapore and then you can pick up lots of good award seats out of Singapore or KL and so on. So that's certainly an option. Uh, you can also use your points for Jetstar Business. Um, if you're wanting to do a One World Award, of course you can't use Jetstar on those, but um, if it's just a uh, return to Europe, you could go Jetstar Business, or as you say, you could actually buy that flight. just depends on what price you can pick it up for. Sometimes, of course, it's more um, uh, economical to actually pay for the flight than to use points and pay the taxes. It's, there, are, <laughs> there are certainly flights around the world where you... Um, get charged almost as much in taxes as what you could buy the flight for. Yeah, or carrier charges, really, not the taxes. <laughs> well, that's right. The tax, taxes with inverted commas. Yeah, exactly. And, I mean, Jetstar does um, release up to four business class seats on their 787 long-haul flights. So, you know, you've got you've got flights from cities across Australia to Denpasar, Bali, but you've also got <coughs> Singapore, Phuket, um, Ho Chi Minh City. Um, Ho Chi Minh City is a bit difficult because you can't book that online on the Qantas website as part of a multi-city itinerary, so you'd have to call up for that. But there are there are a few options. I mean, if, if you're um, able to find onward availability on a One World or a partner airline or maybe Emirates from somewhere like Bali or Phuket, or Bangkok onwards to Europe in you know life flight business class. Maybe it's not so bad to fly to fly you know in Jetstar business on a daytime flight six seven eight hours in in you know what what is essentially a premium economy seat um, with then on you know an on connection to life flight business class. If that's if the alternative is going economy or buying a, a full price business class ticket, it's perhaps not so bad. Yeah, that's correct. And you mentioned premium economy there. Of course, there are. If there isn't business class, you might be able to pick up a premium economy seat. You know, for example, with uh, Japan Airlines, a very nice premium economy. Not business, of course, but it's certainly a very acceptable way to to travel. Yeah, nothing wrong with Japan Airlines premium economy. Uh, I would just mention if you're looking to travel next summer to Europe, so the next northern summer, European summer, June, July, um, at the moment, Jetstar's only releasing seats up to May. So you'd need to wait a few months before you'd be able to book those. Now, one thing that a lot of people do also is book a One World Classic flight reward, um, which is which is really great value. It's basically the same number of points as a return booking to Europe on uh, One World Partner Airlines. And you can use that to fly to Europe and then add your into, basically add some internal flights within Europe for free, or you can even go around the world with this booking. It's a multi-city booking with up to five stopovers and something we've discussed um, at some length on the podcast before. Now, one th- issue, I guess, if you're thinking about using that award is that if you want to travel... Um, to Europe, say, in June and then return in August or September next year. Um, it's not currently possible to book travel in August or September the next year using Qantas points because the seats are only released 11 to 12 months in advance. So what people would do in the past would be to um, book the outbound flights now as a, just a, as a regular classic flight reward and then call up the Qantas call centre and ask for the return flights to be added when they become available. But that's not so easy right now, is it, James? No, it's particularly difficult, Matt, especially if, you're, um, if you don't have status with, with Qantas. If you're a Platinum member and you can get through to Hobart, which you probably do about 50% of the time, if you're lucky. If you're Platinum. If you're Platinum, yeah, then you could certainly uh, do that uh, or try to do that. But for anybody else, when you call to make your changes, and all changes would have to or additions have to be done over the phone, then you're almost certainly going to be routed through to one of the overseas call centres. And I've got nothing against people in other countries, but they seem to have little experience and lack training. A lot of the agents are new, don't have experience with 
won World Awards or points bookings in general. And there's been lots of horror stories about things that have gone wrong. And I know with a, uh, myself and a couple of clients I've had, it's been a very, very frustrating experience. I don't think it's been successfully done through any of the overseas call centres in that for any of my clients. We can only manage to get it done successfully for those with status and through the Hobart Call Centre or possibly Auckland. Yeah, that, that's right. Um, I've, I've seen several horror stories recently, like at, at least three or four, where people have called up the Qantas Call Centre requesting to get their Classic Flight Reward ticket changed. Uh, in some cases, they just wanted a simple date change. In some cases, they were trying to add on flights to the booking or change, change, the, change to a different airline. And they've got through to someone in Cape Town or Suva in, in, in these cases, I believe. And the call center staff has not been able to make the change. But not only that, after the call ended, their booking was actually cancelled. So they've, the, the call center staff have, done, have not followed correct procedure or haven't been trained in correct procedure. And they've actually cancelled the entire booking. And these people have lost their flights. And then what, what has happened then is that the Qantas customers have then tried to call up to get the booking reinstated. And they're told, no, there's nothing we can do which is absolutely appalling. And so I'd be very, very reluctant to try and get anything changed um, through the Qantas call centre at this point if this is something that can happen. Yeah, I'd agree with that, Matt. I would say that if you're not a Platinum member, I wouldn't even bother to try and change it over the phone. I had one chap who booked his flights on the basis of having the flights booked a cruise and then a few weeks later discovered that none of his flights had been ticketed and he had no way of getting to the starting point of his cruise and no way of getting back. Now, fortunately, we were able to help him to get a new itinerary um, booked and ticketed, but it was a very, very worrying time for him, mm-hmm. as you could imagine. Really, the whole thing of um, trying to, to book that example you gave of wanting to go in June or July and coming back in September is fraught with danger because you, you can't book the return flights, as you say, by the if you wait until the time the return flights are released, your flights going over to Europe are going to probably almost certainly have been taken by somebody else. So it's a, a very, very difficult situation at the moment. So it might be best just to book two one-way awards and forego the, um, the One World Award idea at this point. Uh, if you have enough points, yes. Yeah. But if you have to go by an indirect routing, that's probably going to cost you more points than the One World Award. So it's, uh, there's no easy answer to it. The only thing you can do is to look for the availability on some of the indirect routings that we've spoken about and hopefully it it all comes together but it's as I said right at the beginning it's it's as difficult as I've ever seen it at the moment and there's there's no easy way to get around it. Yeah and I mean award flight assist can help to some extent but like the award flight assist team doesn't have access to seats that are not available to the general public they can't just pull seats out of the air so that's that's why they have had to put in this policy of um of no more than two passengers traveling on the same flights in business class to Europe for next summer because it's probably the worst I've ever seen it as well James um and anyone who's been listening to this podcast for for the last few years will know that I've been doing this for quite a long time it's it's really yeah uh, it's probably not not the best time to be trying to use Qantas points, but there there are other options. And so, I mean, if your ultimate goal is, you know, you've been saving up your Qantas points, and your ultimate goal is to redeem points for business class tickets from Australia to Europe, particularly if you want to take your family, do you think Qantas frequent flyer is the best option, or even a good option? At the moment, I would say no. Um, in the past, I've successfully had five or six One World awards myself, but that was only for two people. 
never tried to take other people with me, but a couple of years ago, before the pandemic, I did manage to have uh, a, a client with five people, five a family of five, um, do a around-the-world trip. Uh, it was very difficult, but it was manageable. But at the moment, I'd say it was totally impossible. The better way to do it would be with something like uh, Singapore Airlines, Chris Flyer. At the moment, there's up to six seats available in business class from Australia to Europe on numerous days. Mm-hmm. If not, if not every day, if you if you're early, yeah, out, and, of, out of Sydney and Melbourne through out, to through to different places around Europe. Correct, out of Sydney and Melbourne, less out of the uh, other airports that have the smaller planes like the the A three fifty. So, but you Brisbane can still get and, four seats per flight out of Brisbane or Adelaide or Perth. Yeah, yeah and two out of um, Darwin and and Cairns. Mm-hmm. So there's ample availability with Chris Flyer, and you could also book some of those seats um, on on Singapore Airlines using your velocity points. That's another way. So going back to the uh, the first part of that question, Matt, if you were looking to choose a program, I think you'd be best advised to try and get American Express points, which can be transferred to um, you know a number of different airlines. Um, that would include, of course, Singapore Airlines and Velocity. And you could use those points from American Express, transfer them to, say, Chris Flyer, and then book your four, five, six seats on Singapore Airlines, depending on where you want to go from. Yeah, and I mean, it's really chalk and cheese. Like, we were just talking about the fact that if you've got, you know, more than one passenger or maybe two passengers and you want to go business class to Europe using your Qantas points, you might have to stop over in India. And, I mean, not not to mention that the taxes and carrier charges might be over $1,000 per person. Um, with Singapore Airlines... Like we were having a look at this um, recently, you could find six business class seats from Sydney to Manchester, for example, or Melbourne to Frankfurt. Um, using Chris Fly miles, it would be um, the number of p- miles you need with Chris Fly would be fewer than the number of Qantas points you need for an equivalent redemption. The taxes would be around you know a couple of hundred dollars per person. Good connections through Singapore, and you can get up to you know four or even six seats. Um, on the same flights. So it is absolutely chalk and cheese in terms of what you can do with Chris Fly Miles um, or even Velocity Points. Velocity does have access to many of those same seats in Singapore Airlines compared to Qantas Points. In fact, I booked uh, two seats from Brisbane to Paris myself just recently. and Using uh, Chris Fly Miles? Using or? Chris Fly Miles and the taxes were under $300 for the two of us. And what was the connection like in Singapore? Uh, three and a quarter hours, I think, three and a half hours, something oh. like that. Um, I was actually a bit disappointed because I wanted to spend the day in Singapore, but oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> but no, it was, it's fine, and well, I wouldn't say plenty of availability, but there certainly there was availability at the time, and it's actually improved since since I booked it. The last time I looked, there's quite a lot of availability on Singapore. Yeah, and when you've got American Express membership rewards points, you can transfer those to nine or ten different frequent flyer programs, depending on which um, which kind of card you have. And you've also got the possibility to transfer to Marriott Bonvoy, which you can then on-transfer those points to um, around 30 or 40 different programs. And so then it opens up a whole lot more options. With Et- If you can transfer, for example, for, to Etihad Guest, you can then redeem your Etihad Guest miles to fly on, on airlines like Gulf Air or Oman Air from Asia to Europe, which have a lot of availability in business or even first class and you know all sorts of left field options which just are not available to you using um, using Qantas points that's certainly a, a good way to go if you can have more than one credit card then Amex should be one of them because the availability and the flexibility you get from having an American Express card to use points is um, is very very good gives you that option that 
can fill in the gaps when nothing else is available, especially using Qantas. Absolutely. Well, James Green from Frequent Flyer Solutions, thanks so much for joining me on the podcast today. You're welcome, Matt. Anytime. If you're not already an Australian Frequent Flyer member, you're missing out on participating in Australia's largest online discussion forum for frequent flyers. The AFF Community Forum is a goldmine of useful resources on travel, loyalty programs, credit cards, and so much more. You can learn and ask questions about frequent flyer points, discover unique travel tips by reading our members' trip reports, or even find a great wine deal. By becoming an Australian Frequent Flyer member, you don't just get to participate in our lively forums. You can also send messages to other AFF members, access exclusive AFF offers and services, and you'll see fewer advertisements when browsing the site. And the best part, joining AFF is 100% free. If you're not already a member, visit australianfrequentflyer.com.au forward slash register. Well, to finish off this episode, I wanted to follow up on last episode where I spoke about Air Canada's aeroplane program. Now, we've had some feedback in the AFF on Air Discussion and Thread, and I just want to um, read out this uh, comment from an AFF member called James Gaddenby, who writes, I enjoyed uh, Podcast 89, in particular about Air Canada. Prior to the podcast, I bought aeroplane points during their recent 100% bonus and and redeemed them for flights from Sydney to Madrid and then Barcelona to Sydney in 2023, flying Etihad via Abu Dhabi. I had tried to arrange a stopover in Abu Dhabi on the return leg, but was disappointed and surprised to find that not all flights are eligible for the 5,000-point stopover that has been highlighted on various media lately, including AFF. It seems that Barcelona to Sydney was not eligible, and the only explanation I was able to get from the aeroplane contact centre operator was that their system would not allow it. Has anyone had similar experience? And um, James finishes off by saying, apart from this hiccup, it was a very cost-effective way to buy business class seats to Europe. Um, And I'm sure it was. It would have been, I guess, a few thousand dollars uh, for something that would retail for um, probably at least double that. So, um, yeah, it's it's a good... Aeroplane's definitely a good program. Now, I have heard a few stories about the aeroplane call centre agents not properly understanding the rules of the program, which is a shame. Um, And it's particularly a shame because you can't book stopovers online yet. Now, hopefully this will change soon. I have heard that Air Canada is looking at introducing um, the possibility to book stopovers on its website. Remember, you can do this for an additional 5,000 points on most bookings. Um, But in the meantime, you do need to call up. um, And then you're at the mercy of the agents to actually understand the rules and, and follow them properly. Unless I'm missing something, I don't see any reason why Barcelona to Sydney via Abu Dhabi would not be eligible for a 5,000-point stopover in Abu Dhabi. Um, It's not like you're backtracking. That's a perfectly um, legitimate routing. Um, And uh, I just had a look at the aeroplane program rules, and I'll just read out exactly word for word what they say about stopovers. So Aeroplan says, stopovers are permitted once per direction of travel, including on one-way travel. Stopovers are subject to a maximum duration of 45 days. An open jaw is not permitted at a stopover point as travel must continue with a departure from the previous arrival city. Additional points are required for stopovers. So we know about that. It's 5,000 points. And then finally, they say stopovers are not permitted within Canada or the United States. Now, James, I don't see any uh, re- anywhere that you've breached those rules. It seems to me like that should have been eligible for a stopover. Um, so in this case, probably what you would have needed to do is hang up and call again. Um, there's a popular acronym on AFF, HUACA, H-U-A-C-A, hang up and call again, it stands for. And that's what you, unfortunately, if you get an agent that doesn't understand the rules properly or isn't able to help, that might be uh, what you need to do. Um, 
I could be wrong there. If anyone disagrees with uh, with that assessment, feel free to let me know on the AFF on Air discussion thread. Um, but yeah, that I, I believe you should have been able to get a stop over there. Um, and I just want to mention as well, there's a really uh, informative post on the AFF uh, forum, which I came across this week. Um, I'm going to post a link directly to this post in the, uh, in the notes for this podcast. Um, now, the, it's in a thread. It's in the Air Canada Aeroplan forum. The thread's called Aeroplan Air Canada is now selling miles. And the post is written by a member, Kangaroo Flyer 88. Now, this member has just booked around the world itinerary in business class using Aeroplan points. And they've spent during the recent sale 2,800 Canadian dollars to buy 160,000 miles. And then they've transfer, transferred over another 60,000 miles from their Amex card. I assume that this person must have an Amex card based in Canada or the US because um, Air Canada is not currently a transfer partner of Amex in Australia. But anyway, they've, um, they've accumulated 220,000 miles at a reasonably low cost. I mean, it works out to be about, what, 3,000 Australian dollars. And then they've booked uh, from Sydney to Melbourne, to Abu Dhabi to Zurich. On one ticket, on another ticket, they booked Zurich to Lisbon to uh, Toronto, flying Tap Air Portugal. On a third ticket, they booked Los Angeles, Taipei, Seoul on Eva Air. And then finally Seoul to Sydney on a fourth ticket on Asiana, all in business class. And um, that looks like an excellent trip, a great value and a good use of aeroplan points. So, um, yeah, really interesting. And if you want to have a read of the post, um, Kangaroo Fly 88 has written in quite some detail um, about their experience of actually booking the tickets and finding availability and, and so on. So um, please do have a read of the post if you're interested. I just find one final comment about Aeroplan before I wrap up. Aeroplan has announced that it will slightly increase the cost of some redemptions from next month. So they are making changes to their award charts from September. Um, however, the changes are mostly minor and I'm not really too concerned about these. So just a heads up, um, you can possibly get a lower rate if you book by the end of this month. But um, yeah, the, the changes are not going to um, impact too many people, I would say. Well, that's all for this episode of AFF On Air. Thanks again to my guest, James Green, and thanks a lot for listening. For more information about anything discussed in today's episode, check out the episode notes. Here you'll also find a link to the AFF on Air discussion thread on the Australian Frequent Flyer Forum, where you're welcome to discuss the podcast or ask me a question to be answered in a future episode. If you've enjoyed this podcast, I'd really appreciate if you'd take just a minute to review AFF on Air on Apple Podcasts. And if you haven't already, don't forget to subscribe on your favourite podcasting platform to receive every episode as soon as it's released. I'm Matt Graham, and I'll be back next fortnight with more news, tips and tricks for Australian travellers. And until then, safe travels. Listener.